You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 95. Toby Altizer, Grant Paulson. We're going to talk about the Orioles being sold. want to talk about the MLB Pipeline, new list of top 100 prospects that was put out. We'll talk about each of the guys that's on there. And all that and more coming up right here on Bustin' Loose Baseball, episode 95 starts right now. Bustin' Loose Baseball, hosted by Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer, gives you in-depth analytics and interviews on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Now, here's your host, Grant Paulson and Toby Altizer. I'm Toby Altizer, Grant Paulson, talking with you guys about the Nationals. Plenty to talk about now as it's just one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting. Grant, it's crazy to think that we're already just right there at spring training, just one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting down there in West Palm Beach and baseball being back. Right on time, by the way. Super Bowl Sunday coming up. I am jacked up for baseball. Cannot wait to get back to Nats Park. Now, I'm lucky enough to work in the Navy Yard neighborhood, and so I see Nats Park every single day just about when I take my little stroll from the facility, and it just makes you want it that much more. So with Super Bowl coming and going this week, football being in the rear view, it is baseball time. Let's hit the gas pedal. Yeah, so there are a couple things we want to hit on. I want to get to the O sale here in a second, but one thing that I noticed that the Nationals seem to be doing, they released some new uniforms, so we can give our thoughts on those briefly as well. But one thing that seems to be happening is their spring training camp, spring training cap has the block W. It seems like they're phasing out the curly W, Grant, and I, I don't know that I love that. What are your thoughts on that, and do you like the new uniforms? I'm not a huge fan. I think they'll grow on me as time goes on, but I'm still not necessarily a huge fan of them. But what do you think? So the phasing out of the curly W to me, and I could be completely wrong. I don't have a big problem with that. Number one, to be honest with you, I kind of like the more blockish W. I also wonder, like, is Walgreens angry at him or something? You know, <laughs> those two W's are very similar. Are very we getting so. into a point where they got to go their separate ways and, they're tired of the jokes, or Walgreens has made it clear they want them to have a new W. I kid because I care. I'm not really sure why the Nats are, are going away from that, but the, the jersey I actually like is the one that initially people every 
I think to a man hated uh, into a, a wo woman as well, which was the pullovers, you know, the ones that are like more T-shirts than Jersey. I actually think the look is cool. I like the navy blue element and kind of the that logo. I've got a hat with that like capital and the W, like the shadowed logo. I, I love think that's that logo. Pretty sweet. I think that's a good look. I'm also a fan of basic uniforms, so I don't mind the the new Washington look. Although I, the script it just isn't for me. Like whatever that's called, it's not Comic Sans or and you know you're gonna have to scroll through Microsoft Word to find it. But whatever that design is, it's it's not my favorite. I, I would have gone with like a different type of script. Uh, but having said that, no problems. I kind of like keeping it fresh. New uniforms. It's not like they're you know, some iconic legendary look like the Packers or something where they've been around for decades and you can't touch it. Uh, this is a team that's in its infancy. They're kind of adding and subtracting and playing with some things. So I got no problem. Yeah, the only thing that I'm not a huge fan of, it seems like they're going in on the navy color and that's fine. But to me, when you think of the Nationals, it seems like you think red, kind of like when you think the Capitals, you think red, even though Navy's a part of the color scheme. You think of those colors, you think of red first. And it seems like with the Nats, you would think red first, but it seems like they're kind of going in with the Navy, no longer going to wear the red jersey. This is the last year they're going to wear the cherry blossom jerseys. So it's just going to be a different look. It's going to be interesting, but like uh, our old coach here back in D.C. used to say, let's not make the interesting important. The important thing. Well, hang thing on a second real quick before you go <laughs> quoting Rivera and moving along. <laughs> First of all, no more quoting Ron Rivera. We, we got through that, right? But second of all, Tobe, why are they going away from the cherry blossom stuff? I have no idea. Terrible. That's a mistake. I mean, what a ridiculous decision that is. Those are awesome. They're very D.C. That was a home run. Who didn't like those? I think those were wildly popular. That was a jersey that you know, girlfriends were buying that their boyfriends and vice versa. Like, I thought it was an awesome, unique, really cool concept. I didn't see any negativity about those anywhere at any point. It's kind of universally beloved, and it's a, a here and gone. I mean, is that their decision? Is that up to baseball? I don't really get that. Yeah, I have no idea. You know, this is a MLB thing where they were going to bring out a City Connect jersey for every single place, and they brought the cherry blossoms for D.C., and they've done this for basketball for a little bit. And, I, you know, the Wizards phased out theirs in a year, and I thought that was fine because the Wizards were just so overtly pink, right? The hot pink uniforms from last season they're not wearing anymore. This year they got that City Stone, whatever, that ugly uniform that they wear now. For the Nationals, like you said, I, my mom loves the Nationals, and I just buy her cherry blossom gear all the time. It's the simplest birthday and Christmas gifts there is. So I don't quite understand why they're moving away from it. Maybe... If they see some public backlash, they can back off of that. But I don't know whose choice it was, because if it were the Nationals choice, then that's just a foolish idea. Yeah, I'm not being crazy or su suggesting they wear them every game. Like, I get it. You know, you, you mix it in a little bit that you minor in those. But in the winter, it doesn't particularly move the needle. It, you know, it doesn't make sense if you were rocking that walking around the Navy Yard today. But it really does play in the spring and the early summer in Washington, D.C. You kind of have to know to know. It's one of those, if you're around, you get it. And uh, I just, I think it'd be a mistake if we didn't see those again. So I hope that they're not doing away with them permanently. Yeah, I agree 100%. I mean, you look out in left field and they got some cherry blossom trees out there. So it's just going to be weird if they don't have those back, which I, I think so many people like them. Talking of things that people are going to like, the Baltimore Orioles are being sold. And I think so many people are excited about this because, you know, a lot of people are O's fans in the area, whatever the case may be with that. 
But this opens up the possibility that the Nationals could be sold, Grant. And this is something that Nationals fans have wanted for a little while. You know, it seems like the learners have gotten past the point where they're going to significantly invest in the ball club in terms of paying players and upgrading facilities or, you know, paying coaches, whatever the case may be that you feel like you need to have as a in a sport where there is no salary cap. Right. So you can have an owner that spends a lot of money. Look at the Mets. So having the possibility of selling this franchise and having someone come in that's willing to spend the large numbers in free agency that we haven't seen the Nationals do in a while, I think gives people hope that maybe this thing can get going in the right direction. And that was so long held up by the fact that obviously the Masson deal and that was tied to the Orioles. Now with the Orioles being sold and you know it's still got to be approved by Major League Baseball, but I think we all understand that that's going to be approved. You know, this opens the door for something to happen. I don't know what the timeline would be. I don't even know what the ramifications and how quickly this thing can get done. But it at least opens that door again, which has seemed, you know, very much so locked and shut for a long time. Yeah, totally. So a couple of things. Number one, I think the Masson dispute is the biggest reason why they haven't sold. Okay, now... I am going to say that knowing that I believe the learners are asking for something that is not right now what the team is probably actually worth. Like it might appraise at that in the same way your house might appraise or Redfin might tell you that your house is worth X number of dollars. But being able to get that is a different story. And I don't think they're going to get what they've been asking for for the team. So that's a big reason why they haven't sold. But the reason there are fewer suitors and specifically the reason that Ted Leonsis hasn't really materialized as a viable, legitimate, it's time to buy this team suitor, in my opinion, is the Masson deal. And I think it has been, in a lot of ways, a handcuff on the team financially and now in terms of this sale probably as well. I mean, I, I really genuinely believe that Leonsis, who owns Monumental Sports, he's got the Caps and the Wizards on his network. He is willing to buy the Nationals based on what we heard, what, a year and a half, now to almost two years ago, whenever that was. If and when he gets the team, he'll get the network. And I think he will put the Nationals on monumental sports, and then he'll have the three seasons worth, and it's kind of a year-round sports entity. So I think that this does open that path. It sounds like Masson is a part of the sale. There's a lot of things I don't know. And the other thing remind everyone in fairness Tobes is like this isn't imminent or happening like tomorrow this is all based on when Peter Angelos is no longer around and you know there are steps to get to Rubenstein leading the team but having said that he's friends with Ted they both wanted to get in on baseball they at one point tried to buy the Nats together like this is all good as far as I'm concerned if you are team you want someone other than the learners to own the team what we don't know we just haven't heard from them have they come around on the idea after keeping the team now that maybe they do like owning the team and maybe Mark Lerner wants to continue to own and maybe they're not going to sell or maybe they'll take the team off the market. We just don't know. So I'm not throwing a party. This is not a definitive yeah. like Josh Harris is buying the commanders. So let's all go to the bullpen. This is not that day, but this is a uh, I'm going to. I'll cite Marty Schottenheimer, the former head coach of the Kansas City Chiefs, as I'm sitting here on Radio Row uh, in Las Vegas ahead of the Super Bowl with the Chiefs playing again. There's a gleam, man. There's a gleam. You know, there's a shot that they could get this sale done. 
Yeah, and this isn't even as far along as when last year you found the news that Snyder is hiring people to look to move on from the team, right? It's not even that far along, I would say. It's it's somewhere between, you know, years of speculation and that day. I think it's somewhere in there. Like, there's still plenty to do. There's still plenty to get done. But I think this is something for Orioles fans that are, you know, now Nationals fans, this is obviously a good thing. And then for people that are hoping that they move on, this is at least opening the door so that there's a chance once again that seemed like there just wasn't going to be for so long. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Long gone! And taking a look, like I said, just one week away from pitchers and catchers reporting for spring training, taking a look at MLB Pipeline, they released their Top 100 Prospect Rankings grant. So last season... In 2023, when it was released, number 17 was James Wood. Number 35 for the Nats was Robert Hassel III. Number 46, Elijah Green. And number 58, Cade Cavalli. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But this year, their release, number 7, Dylan Cruz. Number 14, James Wood. Number 48, Brady House. Just your initial thoughts on where the three Nationals rank in the top 100. I think it's reasonable. I think it's all fair and fine. I mean, look. James Wood is an unbelievable talent at 21 years old, left-handed bat, 6'6", 240. You and I have seen him in person now several times, 62nd overall pick in 21. He has a skill set at his size that doesn't really exist. He could play center field at a plus level. Uh, You're probably going to move him to a corner, so there's not as much wear and tear on him trying to go gap to gap. He's got as much power as anybody the Nationals have had over the last handful of years, certainly post Bryce Harper, I would say, in terms of raw pop. This is a 65 power guy for me. I think pipeline grades him at 60. Uh, He's a 60 runner. Uh, The question for me on James Wood when he was drafted, which is no longer a big question, is, is he going to hit? It looks like he can hit. Uh, He's graded above average, 55 by pipeline as a hitter. Now the only remaining thing he's got to figure out is lowering the strikeouts. As he climbed the minor league ladder last year, he struck out a lot. I think his K percentage was up around 40%, which is problematic. He's got to make more contact. I didn't think, I don't know what you thought, Toby. I didn't think it was like that he didn't have a plan at the plate or he's got some massive hole in his swing. He's going to have a hole. He's 6'6", I mean, he's got long levers. And You find me a guy that big who should be looking like he's an NBA swing uh, forward. I'm going to show you a guy who's probably going to be able to you know, swing and miss from time to time. But I do think just generally uh, he's got a plan. He gets deep into counts. He's got a pretty good idea of what he wants to do. 
his approach is not an issue. So the strikeouts for me were a little bit surprising. I know a lot of people were alarmed. I wasn't necessarily, but I think that that's why you've seen, not to say that his prospect status has dipped at all, but it, why he's not in that top seven, eight, nine, whatever is 40% strikeouts is a lot. And so the power was there. He, he delivered at each level. But I think if he could lower that into the high 20s, you're talking about superstar status, you know, MVP-type blue-chip-level prospectum again. And maybe that was the one thing that was a knock, so to speak. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head there. He obviously had a plan going to the plate. Matter of fact, when we went and watched him multiple times, it was, swing the bat, dude. Come on, swing the bat. Like He was very selective on the pitches that he swung at, and you almost wonder if that was to a detriment, right? If there is a little bit of a hole in the swing, and he's only swinging at one or two pitches per at-bat, and they throw a good pitch, a two good two-strike pitch, and he swings and misses, then it's a strikeout. You almost wonder if they can change his approach just a little bit so he can be a little more aggressive when it's an 0-0 count or it's a 1-0 count, trying to drive the baseball and not look for the perfect pitch, but hit the good pitches. So I think for him, you know, the plate discipline is good. I think overall it's just finding a way to make contact with the pitches more. And, you know, I think this is something where coming over from San Diego, it seemed like they had fixed the hole in the swing. It showed up a little bit more here with the Nationals, and this has kind of been the knock with the Nats with the player development. So hopefully they can get that all figured out. But, I mean, this is a guy that has shown sky-high potential, and it's still shown. I mean, he's a top-15 prospect in all of baseball, and this is a guy that could be a perennial all-star. This is a guy that maybe even is looking at top-of-the-league type stuff and maybe competing for an MVP because he's got all of those sorts of tools. Not saying he's going to do that, but, you know, it's just... I think it's interesting, Grant, because last year we talked about this year, you know, looking ahead and just the encouraging signs that we saw from the minor leagues. And when you take a step back from it, you look at some of the guys that were on the top 100 list that are no longer on the top 100 list this year. And then you even look at guys like James Wood. We were talking of a timeline of June, July of these guys getting to the bigs. I think that still can be somewhat realistic. But do you think with what happened towards the end of the year with James Wood, some of the struggles with Dylan Cruz as he went up a level. Do you think that maybe we need to slow that timeline down a bit, or do you think that June, July, August is still a realistic time frame? Oh, I think that's very realistic. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he proved to me that double A that he belonged last year. When you do that, we've seen Mike Rizzo call guys up routinely. Like, yes, he struck out a bunch. It's not like he hit 205, right? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, the guy was hitting 250, which... It doesn't sound like a whole lot to write home about, but in today's baseball, where we don't really value batting average the same way, when you're a power hitter and you can play plus defense, if you're hitting 250, you can help me. It's not like he did that in 10 or 15 games. That was basically a 90-game sample size where he posted an 830 OPS. So I'm not saying that double-A and the big leagues are the same. Obviously not. The leap from the minors to the majors is you know, probably the biggest leap you can make in all of sports, but there is the axiom that I subscribe to, and it's pretty clear Mike Rizzo does as well over the years. If you could do it at double A, you could do it in the majors. It takes you no know, consistency and and just kind of learning how to be a big leaguer. But I think he, he's knocking on the door. You know, if he has a good spring, he could be up very early this season. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, he's going to have to make the adjustments you referenced, and the team's going to have to make him do that to make contact. The other guy that I'm excited for is a little further along, in my opinion, is Brady House, or a little further away, I should say, is Brady House. He only played the 35 games in AA last year, but he hit 325, 
at AA after hitting 320 in A+. Plus. He hit about 300 in Fredericksburg. It's funny because it shouldn't work this way. His batting average got better at every level. It's like he hit 297 in A ball, 317 in A+, plus, 324 in AA. The reason I think he isn't viewed as a slightly better prospect, and to your credit, I think you've been on Brady all along here, he is not hit for in-game power. So if you're just grading things out via box scores or just looking at numbers, you really don't have a feel for the true power that he has. To me, this is a 60 to 65 power bat. I, his batting practice at T-Mobile Park in Seattle before the Futures game was mesmerizing. I mean, nobody consistently hit the ball into the second deck more than House. The pop is very loud. It's very real. Hasn't really translated in game yet for whatever reason. Last year, he hit just the 12 homers in you know, about 348 bats. So you're talking about a 20-ish a homer major league pace. But I think that, that that's the ding on him. If people are wondering, well, why isn't he a higher prospect? I think with Brady, you're, folks are waiting for some of that power. And there's been some health concerns. Uh, but he's just 20 years old. With Wood, it's the strikeouts. Yeah, I think for me, like with Brady House, if I had to pick a guy in the Nats system that I I don't know if I would say highest on, but that I just felt the the best about, it would be Brady House. I mean, this is a guy that basically when he's been healthy, he's hit. It's just been about maintaining health. And like you said, the power hasn't necessarily been there in games, but when you watch batting practice, when you read reports, you hear people talk about him. No one's worried about the power. It's going to come with time. And, you know, once he gets up to the big leagues, you talked about, you know, sometimes there's a little bit of a dip in power compared to what you're going to get in the big leagues just with the ball and pitchers being in the zone more. So I, I think when you look at what Brady House has been able to do in the minor leagues, it's just about finding a way for the Nationals to keep him healthy for the long haul. And if they can keep him healthy, I think this is a guy that can keep moving along. He's not necessarily been you know, played as much just because of health concerns. He hasn't played as much as, as James Wood or doesn't have the type of experience of a Dylan Cruz. So I don't think that he's as far along like you said, but this is a guy maybe you see in September or something like that, or he's someone that could be fighting for an opening day roster spot in 2025. But I think that you look at what Brady House has been able to do. You got to be pretty excited. And then, you know, the the guy that we look at, he's ranked in the top 10. You took him number two overall in Dylan Cruz. You know, we've spent plenty of time talking about Dylan Cruz, but this is a guy I think maybe didn't have as good of numbers as you would have liked to have seen in his first year, but I'm not worried about that at all. This is a guy that has played so much baseball, and there's a reason he's ranked as high as he is because everyone expects him to come out of it and kind of figure these things out now that he's got a full offseason to get accustomed to these things. So I'm excited to see what he could do. And out of all these guys, like, you know, we can point at weaknesses for Wood. We can find some health concerns and some weaknesses for House. There's really not tons of weaknesses for Cruz, and that's why I think for out of these guys, you could end up seeing this guy the soonest, and it could be pretty quickly. Yeah, it's funny to say that, right? Because he only played in 35 games as a minor leaguer last year, but he's very polished. You're right. I mean, he played at LSU all the way through the College World Series. He didn't have a single game collegiately last year where he didn't get on base. You just don't find offensive profiles this advanced, really, at the college level. Ended up hitting about 290 with an 850 OPS as a minor leaguer for the Nats. But you mentioned he really did struggle in double-A, which was, I guess, good to see in a way, oddly. I mean, he had just not failed, really, at all at any point. And it's good to deal with that in the minors so that you kind of know how to do it when you get into your first slump in the majors. Uh, he ended up having a sub-600 OPS and a 208 average in 20 games and 72 at-bats. Very small sample, 
you know, you, you, you're talking about a seventh or so of a major league baseball season, basically, maybe even an eighth, something like that. Uh, so he, he's, you know, a guy that very well could have gone eight for his next 15. And all of a sudden those numbers are good again. Didn't get a chance to do that, but I don't think the Nats are worried about him at all. They were aggressive. They pushed him. It's funny though. You know, the guy that was comp to him that the Nats chose him over Wyatt Langford of the Rangers, obviously went to double a crushed it, went to triple a crushed it, ended up, you know, basically knocking on the door of the big leagues at the end of the season. And, and he's become kind of the can't miss guy now all of a sudden out of the college class last year. So we'll see if Dylan Cruz can answer the bell take that mantle back from him this season, but he will be in the big leagues. Absolutely. This summer, James Wood will be in the major leagues unequivocally this summer. And I think we'll see Brady house this season as well. I'd be stunned if we didn't see all three of those guys at Nats park this year, if they're healthy all season, I think it's a lock that all three will be in the majors and they're not alone, by the way, obviously Cade Cavalli, will be in the major leagues. I think there is a chance we could see Yoandi Morales get to the big league level this year. Um, if you look at on the pitching side, you know, you saw Jackson Rutledge make his debut. He'll be there again. DJ Hers will be in the major leagues this season. Uh, if Cole Henry's healthy, excuse me, he'll be in the major leagues this season. And then I would throw Trey Lipscomb into that conversation as well. Yeah. The infielders, 23 out of Tennessee, who had a big breakout year in the minors last year. Um, he also is going to be in the big league. So I don't know how many guys I just named, but it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun with promotions kind of one after another from probably May through August. Yeah, and some of the non-roster invites to spring training, obviously Cruz, Wood, and House, but Robert Hassel's in that mix, Trey Lipscomb, Darren Baker. So I think you could see all those guys. The one guy you mentioned that I'm surprised that he wasn't invited to spring training as a non-roster invite is Yo-Yo, and maybe he gets invited down the line here. But I, I think that you hit the nail on the head that there's a lot of guys that could end up coming up this year, and that's what's going to make this season exciting because you know you never know. If you, if you buy a ticket a week out to the ballpark, you might just expect to see CJ and Gore and all those guys, and it could be a Wood debut. It could be a Cruz debut, or it could be Lipscomb coming up, or it could be a handful of guys coming up. So I think this year is going to be an exciting time for this team. Real quickly, just two guys I wanted to mention. You mentioned Cavalli, but two other guys that were on the 2023 list inside the top 100 for the Nats that are not in the 2024 list, Robert Hassel III and Elijah Green. You think those guys can get things figured out? Obviously, two different players. Elijah Green, I think the ceiling is still ridiculously high, but he's got to figure out the strikeouts. And Hassel was seemed as this safe prospect, and he's also started to struggle with strikeouts. What is your confidence level that those guys can get back to being the prospects that they were once thought to be? I think Hassel has a better chance to because I think his ceiling was kind of viewed as lower anyway. Like, Robert Hassel, the book on him was, believe it or not, he was like, this is a pretty safe guy. This is 280, yeah. you know, 18 to 20 home runs, steal 20 bags, play good left field. That was kind of the profile. And I just think it's easier to get there from where he is than for Elijah Green to make good on being this generational talent who a lot of people feel like is an MVP candidate uh, at some point. And that was the, the book on him coming out of high school, you know, when he was drafted at the top of the board. I remember talking to a couple of high-ranking Nationals front office guys on opening day last year, okay? Opening day this past season at Nats Park. So we're talking about almost a year ago to the day. And I said, if 
Elijah Green or James Wood becomes like a multi-time MVP? Which one? And they said Elijah Green. You know, at that time, like that's how much they liked Elijah Green. Now, it couldn't have gone worse for him last season. That goes without saying. I I'm this is not to pat myself on the back. Like I was excited about the possibility and the upside when they drafted him because he had the maybe the biggest ceiling in his class a couple years ago, but this is not the type of player I would draft. It's just too much risk. I don't like guys that swing and miss in high school, and he did pretty often, by the way. Uh, now they play a great schedule at uh, the academy he was at in Florida, IMG, and they're playing like you know all the best players in the country. It's not a normal high school deal in any way, but it's it to me. I would miss out on the the best players sometimes. Like James Woods, a great example. I would have missed him too. He swung and missed in high school. There were questions about his bat. Now he made an adjustment with the Padres and he became, you know, one of the great prospects in the game. Elijah Green to me, I, you know, it was just it's too much swing and miss in high school and I worry about making that leap. So am I shocked by last year? Yeah, I think I still am. If, if you would have told me before the season that he wouldn't have gotten out of Fredericksburg and he would hit 215 and he would strike out 150 times in 300 at bats like a 50% K rate, I just said you got to be kidding me, but here's the problem. You look this up, I think. You can expound upon this because I'm pretty sure I'm using your research here. There's not much precedent for guys who got off to this kind of start in A-ball for the period, you know, as long as he was struggling last year and then turned into, like, great major league players. I mean, it, there's just not great examples of that. So I am worried about Elijah Green for sure. I think they would tell you it's very early. He's very young, and that's true. He just turned, I think, 20 years old in, in December. But Hassel, to me, has a chance to be a fine third outfielder, you know, a good fourth outfielder, something in between the two maybe. Elijah Green becoming a guy that looks like he was worthy of the number five pick who's hitting 30 homers and stealing 30 bags, I think is we're such a long way from that. The only thing I do want to say really quick, and I'm talking too much, but he flies. He can run. Like yeah. when you go watch him, you saw him last year. His tools are crazy. He's a guy that if you're just watching a game, you don't have to know who got drafted where. You're like, oh my God, who is that? And you like pointed him. He's huge, 6'3, 225, NFL linebacker. He fly, he can run. He's, you know, blazingly fast. So, like, I get it. I get the whole point. It's a 70 runner with a 60 arm with 60 power who's 6'3, 230. But man, oh man, did, did the part. You know, if you can't hit in baseball, you can't help me that much. And and that's kind of where we are with Elijah Green. I like it when you have guys that you can simplify things to just if they can fix one thing, then you feel like they can get things figured out. You know, I talked about with Brady House. It's mainly just been staying healthy for him. If he can stay healthy, then it seems like everything else will stay on track. Now, it's a big one for Elijah Green, but it seems like if he can figure out strikeouts, he's got everything else. Now, the power hasn't shown up like we talked about with uh, Brady House. But we've seen bits and pieces like he had a home run last year. I think it was at at Fredericksburg where he hit it out of the stadium in left field. I mean, this guy has ridiculous power. He's got crazy speed. Obviously, he can run all over the place like you were talking about. So this guy has all the tools. It's just I don't know that there's any way he's going to eliminate the strikeout. So there are definitely a lot of alarm bells going off with Elijah Green. But. You know, at this point, they made the draft selection. You've got to find a way to develop this guy. You've got to find a way to get that hole out of his swing, and maybe it's just 
finding better pitches to swing at, whatever the case may be. But his issue has been, too, that he's swinging and missing at pitches in the zone. So it hasn't even necessarily been what he's swinging at. He's just not been able to make contact. So hopefully they can figure that out. But he's still got a ridiculously high ceiling. And, you know, like you talked about with the guys over there at Nats Park, like, I still think it's not crazy to think that he has the highest ceiling out of anybody in the entire organization. But is there any chance he's going to reach it? I don't know that there is if he's going to continue to swing like this. And then Robert Hassel, it's just been so funny because this was supposed to be the safe guy in the trade with the Padres, and he struggled. Now, I think that he can still get things figured out. I still think that he will find a way to get with the big league club, and maybe it is just a fourth outfielder. He never had the highest ceiling, but it seems like everybody was on this guy as a safe prospect, and it's just hard to think that everybody was wrong. It's just hard to think that evaluators in the game of baseball, people that cover the game of baseball, people that casually follow it, like everybody was like, all right, this is going to be a nice, solid outfielder that'll be up in the bigs in a couple of years for them, and it'll just be a solid player for them, and he hasn't been able to reach that. But I think that maybe it's just a bad season. He'd get things figured out. I'm hopeful for Robert Hassel, but I am pretty pretty nervous about Elijah Green. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Dang, Zoom. All right, that's going to do it for us here on episode 95. But before we do, I do want to bring up a interview that Grant and Danny did on our station back in D.C., 106.7 The Fan. They talked with one of the new nationals, Joey Gallo. Here's that interview with Joey Gallo. We are joined by the newest member of the Washington Nationals, Joey Gallo, brought to town to chew some bubblegum and hit some home runs. And he might just be out of bubblegum. Joey, we appreciate a couple of minutes, man. Thank you. How are you? Uh, yeah, I'm great, man. I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're great, buddy. Uh, welcome to D.C. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited, man. I'm, like we, I was just talking about before, got to fly in Friday and kind of see the city real quick. And, you know, I'm actually a big history buff person, so I'm pumped about the amount of monuments, museums, and restaurants there. It uh, should be pretty fun, so uh, very happy. Yeah, you'll have no shortage of off-day activities, no doubt about it. Yeah. Connect the dots. I mean, your free agency period here, how did it lead to Washington, and, and how did this come about? Well, I think we had some conversations early on um, with Washington about possibly going there, and um, for me, I thought it was a great fit just in terms of where they're at right now and, and kind of where I'm at in my career. I can go and get a good opportunity to play every day and, um, you know, hopefully help some of these young guys out as, as somewhat of a veteran. And, um, you know, it, it's exciting. And it came it came together a little late. You know, we kind of just had to be patient throughout the offseason. It seems like it's been a little slow. 
Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, got the job done, and I'm where I want to be, so I'm, I'm very happy about that. Yeah, Joe, you're, you're a vet now, man. What do you make of that? That This seems to be the norm now where it's like, you know, pitchers and catchers report in like two days. I mean, a little bit exaggerating, but like – a lot of guys haven't signed. It just kind of becomes the normal waiting game. It used to be that that free that frenzy for free agency. Now it doesn't seem to be that way anymore. What do you think that's about? Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a little strange. You know, I think it seems like in uh, I think what football and stuff they have like a deadline and, and there's usually that big spree of people signing. In baseball, it's weird because you you know you have this long off season where you know you you don't have to be signing guys right away or anything. So it does make it tough, I think, um, but. Everybody, I think, just wants to get the deal that they think they deserve and whatnot. So it is tough to come to terms all the time with with, with teams and whatnot. But um, yeah, it's been seemed like last off season was pretty pretty quick. Was a fast, upbeat off season. This one's just been a little slower. Just kind of you never know how it's going to go in the off season. And um, this one's just been a little a little slow, a little stranger. Joey, your career you spent Texas, New York, obviously L.A. and Minnesota, so a little bit of National League time. You have played the Nats occasionally, but it's funny. A lot of times, I think, for a slugger or pitcher, like, do you look up the dimensions of the ballpark and try to figure out how your game plays there? In your case, I don't know that you've ever had a home run that matters. There's no park. Like, what ballpark <laughs> you're in? It's not like, oh, there's th- this right field's a little bit different. I can't even imagine that's a consideration for you, but what's your experience in Nats Park been like, if at all? Yeah, so... Well, a couple of things. Yeah, obviously, you definitely do have a little uh, intel on where you might be going stadium-wise, hitting-wise. Um, I've played at most of them now, so I kind of have built my own intel of what I like, where I like to hit. Sometimes some fields you don't see the ball as well. You know, it's, there's a lot of different things I think people might not think about when, when uh, they come to a game that changes day-to-day through players' lives and where, where you're playing. Um, but so I, I've only been to D.C. one time. It was uh, 2017 or 18. That's it. We played, and I remember uh, it was a game. Uh, one of Austin's Bibbins, our, our pitcher, beat Max, Thir- Max Scherzer, and it was a huge deal. Uh, but I remember just how fun those games were and how beautiful the stadium was. But uh, yeah, it's always it's always nice to play in them. You're you, you right. I, I, I'd like to play in Williamsport. You know, that'd be fun <laughs> playing a little, a little league field and hit 70 home runs and go get off, go get a big deal. But yeah, it, I think that matters a little bit. But like you said, it, it it doesn't vary too too much place to place. Uh, the big league is the big league, so it's always an honor to be anywhere. That's new Nat Joey Gallo with us here on Grant and Danny. Joey, where are they going to play you? Are, are you going to you know move around a little DH outfield? What are you going to do? Yeah, well, I, it seems like it's going to be moving around. Uh, probably play some first base, play some left field, right field. Obviously, I can jump to center whenever I need to um, if they need that. Um, but. Yeah, for me, I, I like being out on the field. Uh, DH isn't really – I think a lot of people think when they hear my name, they automatically think DH. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm actually a decent defender. Like, I can move around pretty well. I just strike out and hit a lot of homers. You know, that's just – I should be slow, but I'm kind of not. But I like Do you strike out, Joey? I've never heard that before. It, about what? I, that you strike out. Oh, you didn't hear, no, yeah, it just they just started saying it recently. Okay. Uh, it's new, new I heard, information. I heard you yeah. were like a contact guy and you, you never ever strike out. Yeah, no, it, this is my first year striking out a lot. So uh, <laughs> it, it got real loud for me. Uh, but but yeah. It, it is funny. It, I wonder it, if it's the offensive profile to your point, because like your arm strength is elite. It was eighty fourth percentile last year. 
And some of the defensive metrics over the last couple of years for you have actually been really favorable and kind. I think you're, you know, you're like 65th percentile arm value going back even a couple seasons ago. You've had some years where outs above average range, you were 89th percentile in 21. I wonder if it's just people think you're a massive dude, you're 6'5", you're 250 or whatever you are. Maybe they're like, oh, that guy isn't a fielder. Yeah, it was well, exactly what it is. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, I think when you, when people hear uh, somebody strikes out or um, they strike out a lot, they're a power hitter, right? They're a slugger. You're thinking, oh, he's just some big dumpy first baseman, maybe a DH guy. And, but for me, I never, I always viewed it as I needed to be really good defensively because I needed to run the bases very well because I, I have this thing in my game where I do strike out a lot. So I want to make up value somewhere else. And um, I, I've always enjoyed playing the field, really. It, it's, always, it's, it's a lot of fun. And I never played outfield until about five years ago. I ended up winning a couple gold gloves. Sorry about it. And then, you know, <laughs> but well, even then they'd be like, oh, DH, for Joey Gallo. I'm like, I'm playing right field. I just won a gold glove. How, why am I still a DH? Like, but I think that profile is just what people assume that, that, that that's how I am. I'm, not, I'm just a big slugger and, that's what was harder, really though, the, the, winning the first Gold Glove or the second one? They say, like, writing a book the first time can be an accident. You know what I mean? Well, the first one was cake because it was COVID year. It was, like, 30 games I had to play good. I was like, oh, that's neat. <laughs> the second <laughs> year was tough because I I, 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 you know, you got to play 162 games now. I got traded in the middle of it, uh, and I started playing left field because they had a pretty good right fielder in New York. I forget his name. Uh, he had, like, 90 home runs one year. But, Judd, uh, Judd, Juddy something? Yeah, something with a J, yeah. um, but pretty good. So, I'll, obviously, I said, yeah, I'll move. You know, I'll go to left. And so that was tougher because I didn't get a lot of innings in right field. I still was able to sneak one in. Um, but now I've been moving around a lot, so it's a little tougher to do. So you're listed at, at 250. What do you play at? Yeah, I would say right now I'm 252 the last time I weighed myself, but I'll be around 240 during the season, 235, 240. You know, I'm 6'5", so it's, yeah, you know, I'm stressed out a little bit. I necessarily not, might not look like I'm six, you know, 250, but um, yeah, actually around 240 is what I'll probably play at. What do you do? As I feel like it's the people sleep on the grind, right? And and it's hard to like maintain, like lift, and and try to stay big and try to stay yoked and strong while not getting too stiff. You know what I mean? Over the course of a year, how do you do that? How do you balance that by still trying to keep your optimum uh, dimensions? Yeah, it's, I think it's. It's very tough throughout the year because, you know, at the end of the day, the game is the most important part for us, right? Like, uh, it's, you don't want to – you can go to the field and lift and, and run and do all this stuff, and then you get to the game and you're exhausted and who cares? You know, like you did all that stuff, but it's not paying off because you're not doing it the right way. But it is tough to stay in shape throughout the year. I'm very lucky. I'm, I'm incredibly flexible. <laughs> like, I, I can do the splits and whatnot. So flexibility is not really a thing for me. It's more about just – Staying healthy, that's really mm-hmm. it. You know, I've, I've always been really lucky that I have a pretty good body in terms of my joints, movements, and whatnot. But keeping that strength throughout the year, you know, after you play a game and you got to go in there and deadlift or squat, you know, it's not easy after playing a four-hour game, um, you know, 50 days in a row, and then you got to go lift. But that's, that's part of it. Like you said, it's the grind. And once you start to love that part of it, I think it, make, it makes the game a lot more fun and a lot more enjoyable. Uh, so that's what I've tried to do. I just try to get a good group of guys in there and work out with and have fun, and, and that's that's how you can get through some workouts. Joey Gallo on Grant and Danny going to hit bombs for the Nats. Two times, 40 home runs, 
three times 38 home runs in his career, uh, joining us here on the flagship home for the Nationals. Only a few weeks away, by the way, from pitchers and catchers yeah, reporting, believe it or not. Yeah. Spring yeah. training, which is crazy. Uh, we always end our interviews with uh, players in town by kind of just getting to know them with some rapid-fire, like, non-sports questions. So if it's cool okay. with you, we will uh, get to know Joey Gallo a little bit here. Yeah, let's do it. Uh, the last movie that you've seen in theaters. Ooh, in theaters. Bro, I don't even know the last time I went to a movie theater. I'm not going to lie. Wow, I'm a movie guy. I mean, not, hey, nowadays, man, it's... Home theater right at the crib. Like, hey, let's just pop one of those movies on there. I, don't hey. have, I haven't been to a theater in a minute. That's a good call. How about last uh, TV show you've binged? Last TV show I've binged. Uh, you know, I've been watching a lot of, uh, I like uh, watching MasterChef. I, like, I kind of like watching cooking shows and uh, documentaries. So I actually, I watched Band of Brothers. Uh, just got so on Netflix good. Uh, yeah, now I'm watching The Pacific. I'm, like I said, I'm very into history, so really excited about going to D.C., getting to see museums and whatnot. But, yeah, that's, that's probably that. No no weigh-ins. Nobody's poking a pride, and there's no judgment from anybody. Cheat meal. Start to finish. Go. So, this a cheat meal. Okay. Uh, dude, my cheat meal, my favorite meal in the world is Chipotle. I actually have it downstairs waiting after this interview. I'm about to hammer that. Um that's my biggest cheat meal, really. I, I love I love Mexican food, Chipotle, uh, but I mean, I would say ice cream is my biggest. That's that's my biggest weakness. Please walk it us is. through your standard Chipotle order, sir. Okay. Um, okay. Brown rice, extra, and then black beans, mm-hmm. double chicken, mm-hmm. and we put corn, hot sauce, sour cream, cheese, uh, and then side of guac and chips. Uh, maybe a little hot sauce on the side, just in case I want to throw more on there. Mm-hmm. But that's that's usually it. I, I mean, I I've ordered it thousands of times. He said that it. order a couple times. Yeah, that came that's off familiar. The he knows it. Uh, last one I've yeah, got for you. Insane. Who's your best friend in baseball? Like you, you get married tomorrow, your best man from baseball that we've Ooh. heard of is. Ooh, man, that's such a good question. Uh, I have a lot of really good friends now. Um, cause just from being on different teams, you know, I think Cody Bellinger, I'm very close with, uh, judgy talked to him yesterday a lot, very close with him. You know, I, I have so many, like I've been on so many teams now, but I'd say like, I'll say Bellinger or, or judge maybe, you know, if judge wants to show up and support me, I, yeah, <laughs> come to a game I, or two. I might need him to be sitting during the, I don't need him like freaking towering over me. Making yeah. Look, like, in the ceremony, you don't want that. But, yeah, like maybe, hey, we'll put you in the back of the line somewhere out, but like get away from me. But yeah, very close with him and uh, great guy. And so yeah, I'll go with that. That's a good answer, I think. So I was going to ask you about sworn enemies, but I guess we're out of time. Joey, this is great, buddy. Really appreciate it, man. Welcome. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Go get that Chipotle. There's Joey Gallo, new national slugger on Grant and Danny. That was fantastic. He's a great dude. He's a lot of fun. And Grant, that's going to do it for episode 95. Enjoy Vegas, man. It seems like it's a, a joy to be out there, so have a lot of fun out there. Yeah, it's been very, very cool out here. I'm excited. Next stop, spring training, Tobe. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll catch you guys soon.